0: Hey, what's up, everybody? It's Ned Bellavance, Ned1313 on Twitter, and welcome to the Daily Check-In for July 19th, 2021. It's a Monday, and it's got me thinking about cloudy things because I was working on tomorrow's Terraform Tuesday. So I'll talk about that in a minute, but first, let's check in. How was your weekend? How were how things go? Did you have a good weekend? Get some relaxing time in? I hope you did. It's kind of... Getting to that point in the summer where lawn care is not really a thing you have to worry about so much because it's too hot for the lawn to really grow but if you're growing some vegetables like we're growing some tomatoes ooh the tomatoes are looking pretty good they're starting to ripen we've got some good tomatoes coming in i'm really looking forward to making some fresh gravy that's what we call it around here because my wife's italian and when you make red sauce it's called gravy and some people will say that it only counts as gravy if there's meat in it but At least as far as her family goes, they're all from North Jersey and they're all Italian and they call Red Sauce Gravy and I figure I married into it. So that's what I'm going to call it too. (laughs) Anyway, Hopefully you're doing well. Let's talk about cloudy things. So I'm working on tomorrow's Terraform Tuesday and it's all about using Google Compute Platform, GCP, Google Cloud, whatever you want to call it, right? And as I'm working on it, I've worked with GCP before, but every time I do, it strikes me how different... Google's approach was versus the way that Microsoft approached something. And I thought maybe I could take a moment to point out some things that I thought were interesting and are indicative of the cultural approach that Google versus Azure might take on a particular cloud thing. And I think the the thing that defines Azure versus GCP is Azure is easy by default. Now, what do I mean by that? If you you have any interaction with Microsoft products, you know that they have a lot of stuff turned on by default because that makes things easier for folks who are using the products. If you don't have to go enable a service, it's already just there for you. Well, that's easy. Better customer experience. If you don't have to open up a firewall port because it's already open and listening, that's easy. And that's a better experience for the customer. Now, granted, that has led to its large share of security issues, one of which has cropped up recently. And it all has to do with the spooler service and print services on Windows servers. And I think it also impacts Windows desktop OSs as well, like Windows 10. But the thing that really people have been concerned about is the fact that if you have the printer spooler service running on your Windows servers, that is leaves them open to a number of different vulnerabilities, most of which have now been patched, but I think there's still one that was discovered like yesterday that is still not patched and is vulnerable. And it's some of these are to the point where you can run arbitrary commands. Now, one of the common things for uh, folks to do, especially in smaller organizations is to have an active directory domain controller, you know, it's so running windows server, that functioned not only as an authentication source, but also functioned as the file share and as the print servers. Now, obviously, you shouldn't do that. I say obviously, why is that obvious? Well, obvious is because you really want to have your domain controller locked down and doing one thing and that one thing is providing authentication services and DNS probably, you don't want it doing anything else. You want those file and print services on a different server that doesn't have All of these really sensitive pieces of information on them, because if a bug is discovered, say in file sharing or in print services, now your domain controller is vulnerable because it's serving that stuff up. But, you know, people had limited access to resources and limited access to windows licenses. So some people chose to double up on a domain controller now. One of the things that's interesting, and if you have installed Windows Server at any time in the past, you may have noticed that the print spooler service is started by default. You might not want that, but that's part of the Microsoft ethos is to make things easy by default. Oh, well, you might want to print something on a domain controller and we'd hate for you to have to go start that service and open that port. So. We're just going to have the spooler service running. And I think if you don't have file and print services, that port is not open on the firewall, but I'd have to check that. But basically what I'm saying is Microsoft tries to make it easy. And a lot of the times what a great customer's experience equals lowered security because you have to make things simpler. Google's approach to things is thinking more at Google scale because their roots are in Google search. So they're always thinking about ways of making things more efficient. And the way to think, make things more efficient on the engineering back end is to not enable things by default, not to make things easy. You want to be precise and you want to be very measured in your response and you want economy and efficiency. That's what you're looking for. You're designing these Google scale systems that have to perform at ridiculous scale and ridiculous volume of requests. So whatever you're doing needs to be built efficiently. And that's the same approach they took to their cloud. So when you look at at least older versions of Microsoft Azure, now they've changed some of this in the past, but when you looked at maybe if you were spinning up an Azure SQL instance on Microsoft Azure, when you spun up that instance, it used to be just open to the world in terms of firewall. When you spun it up, it had a public address and that public address was accessible to anyone. And of course it was secured with a username and password, but that was, again, the thing was that was presented that way by default, obviously a problem, but it does make it really easy for the developer and the ability to spin up an azure sql instance you didn't have to do anything on azure to enable that service that service was just enabled by default now in the background the way that i understand it is that api and that service is not necessarily enabled by default on your subscription but when you make that first request to do something with azure sql in the background azure's like resource provider enables that service for you it just does it for you right Whereas if you take a look at Google's approach to it, their main way of compartmentalizing things is projects. And each project has one or more APIs that have been enabled on that project. So if you want to use Cloud SQL on in a GCP project, you have to explicitly enable the API for Cloud SQL. SQL, and same thing for compute and same thing for any other service that exists in Google cloud, you have to explicitly enable the APIs on a given project to allow it to have access to create resources under that service. That is more difficult, but it also means that it's not enabling services by default and that's more efficient. And if you're running something at large scale, let's say you're spinning up a thousand projects Not having to wait for each of those thousand projects to enable 20 APIs means they spin up faster. It's more efficient. They're taking up less compute time because the, I guess the API, or at least the, whatever the equivalent of the resource provider is in GCP, doesn't have to contend with as many APIs if they're not enabled. So that's, it's interesting. That's an approach. Another thing that I noticed was when it comes to Google Cloud, you have to enable billing on a project. And that's very different than the world of Azure. In Azure, you can't create a resource group without associating it with a subscription. And all subscriptions are associated with some kind of billing. So you literally can't create resources without billing being associated with them. You can't even create a subscription without billing being associated with it. And so the approach once once again is different. Out of the box with Azure, you don't have to do anything. Billing is automatically enabled when you create a subscription or when you create a resource group because that resource group has to be associated with a subscription. Over on the Google side, you can create projects to your heart's content and have none of them associated with billing until you go to actually try to create something that requires that billing is enabled. And then you have to go through the process of enabling billing, which is its own process. It's more difficult, yes, but it could be considered more efficient because if you don't need billing enabled, why would you enable it? So it just keeps coming back to these two very distinct design philosophies around how to deal with the client, with the end consumer. Whereas Microsoft always seems to push for simpler and a easier customer experience. Whereas Google always pushes for something that is more efficient, but oftentimes more complicated and a little more convoluted. So I don't know. It it was an observation that I had while I was working on the GCP project for Terraform Tuesday today. And I thought you might appreciate that, especially if you haven't worked with GCP at all. It's sort of a little window into how they do things and don't even get me starting on the networking because that is, that deserves its own day Two cloud 45 minute long show probably. (laughs) Well, that's going to do it for me for today. As always, thank you for listening. Until next time, stay healthy, stay safe out there. Bye for now.